Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Vikings. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, and it's a game day, preseason game number two in Seattle. Sage Rosenfels helps us preview it. Sage, welcome to the show. And Seattle, I'm guessing you being a big traveler, probably one of the favorite road trips that you had uh, when you were an NFL player, right? Definitely one of my favorite. But, uh, you know, one of the issues was like when I was playing for the Dolphins, I think it was about a six and a half, seven hour flight. So it's great to play there. It's a great city to walk around in the morning of the game. Uh, It's it's a a great atmosphere uh, in that stadium, obviously. But the flights, if you're coming from the East Coast, I played, when I was playing for the Giants, we also flew there, which I'm guessing was about five hours. So it's a long trip up there, but uh, you're rewarded with a beautiful city and a, and a great atmosphere for football. Yeah, it really is, and it's loud. It's the 12th man, and this week the Vikings have had sound machines on the sideline trying to get them ready, I think, for the, for the road environment. It's kind of an annual preseason deal where they bring out those sound machines, it seems like, for their most formidable road game, and they, they practice with them. Uh, is that something your, your coaches did with you, and is it a realistic simulation of the noise? Well, it's every, almost every team does it. Uh, teams generally I don't remember them doing it as much in the preseason. I think that, you know, being that it was still the preseason, uh, you know, when you're in practice and you're playing, whether it's really loud music or some sort of just white noise that's loud, that's supposed to sort of sound like fans, you know, it sort of cuts down on the actual practice communication. You know, all those little tips and teaching that go on in practice, you can't really do much of that. So I, I feel like most head coaches stayed away from it during the preseason, but obviously once the season started, uh, that that was the thing that happened when you were going to an away stadium, if the place was known to be exceptionally loud. Um, And, you know, Seattle is definitely one of those places. Great atmosphere. I I know that every time I went to Minnesota to play in a game, we did that also, uh, where, uh, as, as the old Metrodome was one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. Do you think Seattle is the loudest, or was there a sneaky loud stadium that you feel like no one really talks about? They're all, I tell you, I don't know what the smallest NFL stadium is. Is it, you know, 65, 70,000? I mean, they're all pretty loud if they want to be. Uh, Seattle's loud. You know, the domes, I always felt, get really loud. Houston gets incredibly loud. Uh, obviously, I was very lucky to, to have them uh, as the home team most of the time, but that place gets incredibly loud when the roof is closed. Uh, obviously, the Saints uh, in uh, in New Orleans, that, that we all we all know about the, the Bounty Gate game, how loud know that whole situation was so Seattle's probably the loudest outdoor stadium Kansas City is an unbelievably loud stadium as well uh, so uh, Arrowhead Stadium so uh, there's there's almost all of them can get loud if they want to be I mean I, I remember Jacksonville being a fairly loud stadium uh, the problem is that they just haven't been very good so the fans don't have much to cheer about over the course of the last uh, seven or eight years yeah that's a good point it... hey Bernie 
<laughs> There's my dog. <laughs> uh, interesting line of questioning with Mike Zimmer uh, the other day at practice that I want to just run by you. Uh, he was being asked about sort of the trend in the NFL where analytics are, are pointing coaches to going for it more frequently on fourth downs, being a little riskier, especially when they're on their opponent's side of the field. And in theory, that'll lead to more points throughout the course of a game and over the course of a season. If you play for fourth down, you'll turn that into more points, arguably. Zimmer is not really giving away company secrets on how he feels about that, but I'm curious how you feel about that. Do you think eventually he's going to trend to a point where Going forward on fourth down, you know, fourth and four, fourth and three, do you think that's going to become more commonplace, and do you think it's a good idea? Well, I know there's this high school team, and I think, you know, high school is very different than the pros where because, you know, the, the punting situation is so bad, a lot of high schoolers only can punt at 20, 25 yards. But, you know, there's a few high school teams that don't punt at all. They don't they, – they go for it every single time, and they consistently win uh, because of that. You're, you get an extra down to – to make something happen and they usually feel you know yeah you, you punt the ball 30 yards then then they return it 10 yards you know what's the what's the big you know gain that you have there so i think in the pros when when punters are usually kicking at 45 yards field position is so important turnovers and and those types of things are so important field goals um obviously get extended further out to you know 50 plus yarders uh, i think you know if, if anyone makes this decision first, it's going to be a coach like Bill Belichick. I think Belichick is usually on the cutting edge of what are the the best likelihood and the best situations of how to take advantage of those situations. And I think if anyone starts to go for it more and more on fourth down, he'd be the first one. And you wonder, too, if maybe sort of this youth movement in the NFL coaching ranks might uh, create something of the same where some of the younger coaches are trying to be cutting edge and be ahead of the curve, maybe McVay, McDermott, Shanahan. You wonder if maybe they'll adopt that kind of thing. Shanahan's t- taken over a, what, a two- or three-win team. Maybe that'll be his thing to push them over the edge this year and at least you know make things more interesting well i think part of it is what i call a cya cover your ass and and the (laughs) cover your ass situation is you know coaches usually are a little generally more cautious uh because if you uh do something outside the normal boundaries of football and it doesn't work uh you know you look like a you know an idiot football coach so I, i think the coaches that can have an understanding with the gm understanding with the the head coach as to why they want to go for it more and fourth down, they're the ones who'll go for it first because uh, it's something that, is, as you know, and we all know that teams just haven't done a ton of over the course of uh, you know really since the NFL started. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You got to have a GM and a, maybe an owner even who gets it. You you got to have someone that you can kind of talk shop with and come to an understanding about. Speaking of coaching, Pete Carroll, the coach tonight for the Seattle Seahawks, I think considered one of. The better coaches in the NFL based on what he's accomplished with Seattle, a Super Bowl win, another Super Bowl appearance, almost perennial playoff contenders. What do you think of Pete Carroll, and are you impressed with the way he's sort of shed the baggage of his college career and really become a pretty respected NFL head coach? Yeah, you know, when he first got that job coming from USC, I wasn't so sure. You know, he he you know failed uh, when he was the New England Patriots head coach and you know, obviously went back to college and he just seemed like one of those guys that was uh, you know perfectly made for college as we all know you know college coaches and NFL coaches are very different uh, I, I played for Steve Spurrier I played for Nick Saban those guys had very different styles and both did not have success at the NFL level uh, because you know you, there's no really recruiting at the NFL level and uh, those guys were good recruiters uh, in college and so 
Pete Carroll, great college recruiter. Um, what I like about him is that he's become a really good NFL coach, and I think it's because he allows his players to be themselves. Uh, he, he creates an atmosphere where uh, of, of competition, of being yourself, uh, of speaking your mind, um, and, and all those things. He, he's definitely not an authoritarian uh, you know, type, you know, dictator type coach. Uh, I believe that uh, he, the, the atmosphere he creates is that uh, you know, the, the team is a, an ever-changing environment, uh, and it's best for players to you know, be themselves. Uh, and when, they, when somebody is, is thinking and sort of being themselves, they play much better. So his, his style of football that he coaches uh, is, is usually it's run the football and good defense. It's not complex. Their defense is very, very simple up there, and we'll get to that when we talk about these uh, the, the Vikings quarterbacks, but their defense has always been very simple. The, the Dan Quinn, uh, you know, Gus Bradley coach defenses of the past have always been fairly simple. Uh, you know, really, you know, three, maybe four coverages the entire game, and, and they got good players, good pass rushers, good cornerbacks, and uh, it's sort of like we're not going to try to confuse you. We're just going to beat you, and I, I always appreciate a coach who has that style of football. Yeah, those defensive backs, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Jeremy Lane, they're very talented in the secondary, and it'll be a great test for the Vikings. And you got to like having a preseason game like this, even if you only get the starters for a quarter and a half or two quarters in this game. That's still going to be a fun test for your see what your offense can do. And then in the second half, too, those quarterbacks jockeying for position with Keenum and Heineke. I think Keenum probably won the first game, if you compare the two. But maybe they flip things around tonight and give Heineke those second-team reps and, and try to bolster his stock. Well, I think that my advice to both those quarterbacks is get completions. This defense, this style defense, it's, it's a bend-don't-break defense. Uh, and the key is to get completions and to not turn the ball over. I know it sounds boring. Uh, but that's what you have to do. You have to get the ball out quick. Uh, you have to probably throw a lot of hitch routes, a lot of quick out routes, um, you know, things like that. It's hard to take shots down the field against this secondary. And when we're talking about taking shots down the field, that means you have to hold the ball longer. And usually this is one of the best pass rush teams in the NFL. So it's a dink and dunk type of football game. Get yourself some com- completion. Stay away from turnovers. Protect the football. Uh, and try to score touchdowns when you get in the red zone. These two teams played an ugly, ugly preseason game last year, and it was 11-11 to until Marcus Sherrills had a pick six at the very end to win it for Minnesota. Um, hopefully a little more scintillating tonight. You would deem this a success for the Vikings starters if what happens? What needs to happen for, for you to walk away and say, okay, I felt good about the first team? I'd like for them to score points uh, on at least half of their drives. I'm not sure... Know how long Sam's going to be in there? If it's it's usually two to four uh, drives uh, for the starters in the, the second preseason game, it, it, it seems like. So uh, if it's two drives, I'd love to have them score points on one of the two. If it's four drives, I'd love to have at least two of those four drives scoring points. And if it's going to be half, let's say he gets four drives, it'd be nice if one of those was a touchdown. You know, field goals are, are good. Touchdowns are much better. It'd be nice if this offense started to gain some confidence going into the third preseason game. Yeah, and, and that red zone percentage last year was really bad, and that's something the Vikings definitely want to shake this season. Sage, i got to pause quickly to remind everyone that Seat Geek is and always will be the simplest, best way to buy sports and concert tickets. It is so easy with their mobile experience. Buy and sell in two taps. I just checked out Twins tickets tonight, Rod Carew bobblehead giveaway against Arizona. 
you can get the door for $21. And I know it's great value because SeatGeek outlines it very conveniently with their value system indicating which sections are giving you the most bang for your buck. You're going to get close to the action for a great value at SeatGeek because they search multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find you amazing deals. Every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence on SeatGeek. Make it your go-to app, not just for sports or concerts, but comedy, theater, and anything going on in your city. So my listeners can get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase by downloading the SeatGeek app and entering the promo code L-O-N-F-L today. That's L-O-N-F-L for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, reassure the fans here for a second, just with injuries. It is true that teams are much more conservative with injuries in the preseason, right? Because the Vikings have Reef and Boone and Murray and Treadwell all sort of, you know, really slowly coming back from these issues. They're taking no risks at this point, right? These might be injuries where they could play in the regular season, but preseason, they're, they're dialing it back, aren't they? Yeah, if you're pretty much a top, I'm, I'm going to just say 30 guy on a football team, 40 guy in a football team, uh, you're probably going to make the roster. The teams take very little chances. Uh, you know, they, they want you 100% week one. Uh, they don't really care about you playing at 85% in the preseason. So uh, now the guys who were, you know, 40 to 80 or 90 on the roster, those guys better find a way to get on the football field because you're you're battling for a roster spot and you're 90%. Uh, is, uh, is is better than being on the bench. You can't make the the club sit in the in the in the uh, in the tub. All right. Well, just for kicks, why don't we predict a preseason game? Because we're degenerates that way. I'm gonna say Vikings 19, Seahawks 17. Blair Walsh misses a field goal to win it at the end. <laughs> that's that's not bad. Uh, I like the Vikings. I let, let's. I'm gonna go with. Uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, choosing the Vikings to win this one. So uh, I'm going to go with the Vikings uh, on a win. Uh, and Taylor Heineke is going to throw a 28-yard touchdown pass uh, with 42 seconds left uh, to tie the football game. And we're going to have a, an extra point uh, to win the football game you know, for the Vikings in, in the last minute. Wow. If either of those scenarios come true, that's going to be great fodder for Monday's show. Fantastic. Viking Seahawks tonight, uh, 9 p.m. kickoff. I'm really glad that's not something that happens in the regular season because that'd be a pain if the West Coast game was was a norm. But uh, are you going to stay up and watch the whole thing, wire to wire? I'll see what I can do. I got My daughters have uh, uh, some soccer games tomorrow morning, so I will not have a late night. So this is probably the latest it's going to be for me is is watching this Vikings game. So I'm going to try to watch the majority of the game. And, and, I, and I enjoy watching the, the second half. I know a lot of times people turn it off. The stars aren't in, but you know, to me, I love watching those backup quarterbacks, uh, you know, battled out in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. That's where I made made my uh, spot in the league, made my spot on the team each year. I watched uh, this kid from Jacksonville last night, Brent Brendan or Brandon Allen from Arkansas. He played really, really well last night. I think he could be a starter on that football team with how bad Blake Bortles is playing. So uh, I, I like watching these backups compete in the, in the second half in the fourth quarter, and I'm looking forward to it again tonight. And I think Seattle has a pretty fun backup to watch. Trevon Boykin, that athletic quarterback out of TCU, so that could be interesting as well. Vikings and Seahawks tonight at 9, and we'll be discussing that game uh, thoroughly on Monday. 
It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Sage and Sam cruising through the preseason. We will talk to you after the weekend. Have a good one, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.